Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Sobolewski, and this is the second episode in Toxicology Season 3. This time, Suzanne Mazur, toxicologist extraordinaire from Seattle Children's, is going to talk about calcium channel blockers. And this is definitely one of the scariest ingestions that we have to deal with. So, Suzanne, I'll let you walk them through management, and let's all hope you don't see one of these on your next shift. Hi, everybody. In this episode, I'm going to talk about another drug that really gets my heart rate up when I hear that a child has ingested it, and that drug is calcium channel blockers. Calcium channel blocker overdose is one of the most concerning pediatric poisonings right now um, because even a single pill can cause severe toxicity depending on the patient's age and size. And especially with sustained release products, we can see severe toxicity and also a delayed onset of symptoms and prolonged symptoms. A reminder of the pharmacology, calcium channel blockers, just like their name, um, block the opening of voltage-gated calcium channels. There are two types of calcium channel blockers. One is the dihydropyridines, like amlodipine and nifedipine. And normally, in therapeutic dosing, those act mostly on the vascular smooth muscle cells. The others, the non-dihydropyridine calcium channel blockers, like verapamil and diltiazem, normally act more on the heart cells. But in overdose, selectivity really goes away. And so either type of calcium channel blocker can cause toxic effects. And some of those examples of toxic effects include hypotension due to vasodilatation, uh, bradycardia due to decreased AV node conduction, and decreased insulin release and sensitivity causing hyperglycemia, which is an interesting and unique feature of calcium channel blocker, calcium channel blocker overdose. So if you see a patient with bradycardia, hypotension, and hyperglycemia, think about calcium channel blocker overdose. What do you do when you have a patient who has ingested calcium channel blockers? First things first, don't forget your ABCs. Patients with calcium channel blocker overdose can have a normal mental status along with profound hypotension and bradycardia, which is another unique finding besides hypoglycemia along with those things. History to take note of with most ingestions, including this one, includes time of ingestion, maximum possible dose of ingestion, what formulation, is it immediate release or sustained release, is there anything else that could have been co-ingested, and what is the patient's past medical history. Let's talk about GI decontamination. Usually this is achieved with activated charcoal, which is typically recommended if the ingestion has been within an hour of presentation. We may extend that deadline, however, especially if a sustained release product is ingested or if there's been a large quantity ingestion, even after one hour. So talk to your poison center about whether charcoal is a good idea for your patient if this is the case. 
IV fluid boluses in case of hypotension, but be ready to provide other methods of uh, pressure support. One of those methods can be vasopressors, which are often needed with calcium channel blocker toxicity. Usually epinephrine or norepinephrine are first line vasopressors. It seems like the perfect antidote for calcium channel blocker toxicity would be IV calcium. It's reasonable to use, it has a favorable risk-benefit ratio. However, it's not usually as effective as we'd like. It's certainly something that we can try. If you have a central line or the patient is very critical, you can use 10% calcium chloride. And if you have time and a peripheral vein, usually calcium gluconite is better tolerated. So you have a hypotensive patient with calcium channel blocker poisoning. You've tried fluid boluses, you've given a few doses of calcium, and you've ordered some vasopressors. What else can you do to help with the myocardial dysfunction that comes along with calcium channel blocker toxicity? If you were thinking about insulin and glucose, you are correct. Insulin and glucose are a great antidote for calcium channel blocker toxicity for patients who have myocardial dysfunction. The reason for that is because insulin actually helps to improve the cardiac muscle's use of sugars. As we know, with calcium channel blocker toxicity, insulin resistance is common, and this helps to overcome that hypoinsulinemia and insulin resistance. It also helps to increase inotropy. So a lot of good reasons to use IV insulin along with some glucose in your calcium channel blocker poisoned patients. The insulin dose that we recommend for this purpose is higher than what we usually recommend for patients with diabetic ketoacidosis. We start in the ballpark of one unit per kilo per hour of insulin along with a glucose infusion. It's rare for patients to get hypoglycemic with this insulin infusion because, as you remember, there's insulin resistance at baseline. But many hospitals have a protocol written for this, so definitely look for that. Talk to your poison center and or your local toxicologist to make sure that you have this infusion ordered correctly. It works really well. It usually takes about 15 or 20 minutes to help with the cardiac function and to help with the hypotension. So be ready to order this. Take a look and see if your hospital has a protocol for it and definitely involve a poison center if you can to get this dosing correct. Most patients, once they have this therapy started, do really, really well. But if they don't, there are a few other heroic measures that we can take in patients with severe calcium channel blocker toxicity. One of them we've talked about in previous podcasts is intralipid therapy. Most calcium channel blockers are somewhat lipid soluble. So the point of intralipid therapy is to absorb some of that calcium channel blocker into the lipid molecules um, and then they have less opportunity to cause toxic effects in the body. So this is something to get ready if your patient has been started on insulin glucose, vasopressors, and calcium, and they still are having hypotension and myocardial dysfunction. And finally, ECMO may be required in patients with severe calcium channel blocker toxicity who are refractory to all the other antidotes and measures that we've discussed today. So in summary, if you have a patient who's ingested calcium channel blockers, it's 
a good idea to be very prepared. Things that you're gonna wanna have ready include calcium, fluids, vasopressors, insulin and glucose infusion, intralipids, and ECMO. Remember to involve your local toxicologist and your poison center early if you have a patient with calcium channel blocker toxicity. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I will talk to you all next week. Thank you again, Suzanne. I hope that you found this episode informative, if not a little bit terrifying. Calcium channel blocker ingestions can be very hard to manage, so please take advantage of the knowledge and expertise of your toxicologists and poison control. All right, you know the deal. Send me your feedback. Email, direct message on Twitter, Facebook message, leave a review on a podcast site. If you have some feedback about the podcast, let me know. The third episode of the third toxicology season will conclude in one week's time with iron ingestions. It's another one of those classic poisonings that shows up all over the boards and is very hard to manage. For PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast, this has been Brad Soboleski. See you next time.